It's not uncommon that a Scot would be the UK brand ambassador of one of the most iconic whiskey brands in the world. Unless, of course, that brand is Jack Daniels, born and bred in the U.S. of A. I'm Susan Schwartz, your drinking companion, and this is Lush Life Podcast. Every week, we are inspired to live life one cocktail at a time. Cam Dawson proudly flies the flag of the one and only Jack Daniels Tennessee Whiskey. He is definitely not the only one flying that flag, as it is the biggest selling whiskey in the world. Plus, it has that added cachet that Old Blue Eyes Frank Sinatra was its biggest fan. So today, we discover how Cam became Jack Daniels' biggest cheerleader and what he's teaching the world that the world doesn't already know about Jack Daniels. Hello, I am so happy to have you on the show. You, I, I, I think I know you for like three or four years. It, at Imbibe, I think I ran up to you and said I want a t-shirt. By the way, I am wearing the t-shirt. Amazing. I mean, I'm, I'm so happy that you still have that. I'll, I'll, I'll have to send you a, a, a new one. Or I know that you're a big fan of Tennessee Honey. I'll see if I can send you a Tennessee Honey t-shirt as well. We'll, we'll see. Oh my god, I, I would love that. Look, it's product placement. It's in the back and in my hand. I have made a Tennessee Honey and lemonade. All right, because you know that is one of my favorite cocktails. So, Cam Dawson, UK brand ambassador, Jack Daniels. It's so exciting. So, I usually start with your background. And as I was doing a little research on you, and I saw a video of you on YouTube, and your father had made a comment. And the comment was, no. Okay, you were talking about American whiskey, okay, in this small little YouTube clip. And your dad wrote, wait, I have to read this. Before you say it out loud. Before you say this out loud, I knew this man would be the end of my career. (laughs) No, it's it's really good. But he says, I'm his father, and I think he's gone to the dark side, dot, dot, dot. But he sells it well. So it was Uh, a positive comment. But I love that he was the only comment. So, of course, we'll start off with... Why does your father think you've gone to the dark side? Where did you come from? What is the good side or the the light side and the dark side? So something that I've always tried to do in being a a brand ambassador is is try and keep it, try and keep what I say to people that are coming and hearing me talk about my favorite product is keep it related to me. Um, I grew up in the middle of Scotland um i as a young child i grew up in an area called the trussics uh i was on holiday last week walking through the trussics which was a very 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 long long distance walk <laughs> um but then i i moved to a place uh very close to stirling in scotland uh, probably about seven miles west of stirling i was four miles south of a distillery i was seven miles east of a distillery uh my village was surrounded by fields of barley. My dad is a huge whiskey fan, so there was always whiskey in the house. Uh, what he would have been referring to was I've gone to the dark side and I'm representing the Americans. Um, this is the first whiskey that I ever drank. Um, it was, uh, I still remember where I was, who I was with. Uh, for legal reasons, I was 18 years old. Um, I've been using that joke for far too many years now, <laughs> but um, but yeah, it, it, that's what he will be referring to here. 
but uh, he um, will be so pleased to know that someone has appreciated his comment because uh, it's usually myself and my sister telling him, take that comment down. Now, I have a question about your dad drinking whiskey before we get to your first Jack and Coke. Um, was there one specific brand that he loved or a way to drink it? And, you know, did he try to get you to drink it? Um, I think there was always different brands in the house uh, from all over Scotland, whether it be Highland, uh, Speyside, Lowland. Um, I was born in a little town called Falkirk, which had a, a, a very sought after whiskey coming from there. So I, I've always known about that brand and I've shared a few drams of that with my dad before. Um, but no, not one in particular. Um I, I wouldn't say that we're a, a family of hardened drinkers or anything like that. It's it's uh, special occasions. It would be uh, maybe a glass of wine with with, with dinner. Uh, or, or sometimes um, dad wasn't really the, the sort of father that would go and and be in the pub every week or anything like that. He was always around. Uh, but I always remember there being um, the the mysterious booze cupboard uh, in the kitchen. Um, I think every but, family has that mysterious booze cupboard. Well, we always <laughs> just get a clip around the ear if we went any too close to it. Um, <gasps> but I, I remember still, do you know what is quite strange is that now I'm in the drinks industry and, and even back then I still uh, remember labels that were in there and, and they're things that I, I, I love to drink now. That it, my dad used to have a business in Iceland. So I remember as a family, we all went to Iceland once and they brought back um, a, uh, a bottle of Brennevin, which is like their national drink, which is like caraway schnapps, but a very, very dry version of it. And I've used that in cocktail competitions. I've used it with Jack Daniels before as a, as a modifier in cocktails. Um, and it's quite weird that years and years and years after recognizing these labels, they're still in my life today. Um, but, uh, but yeah. All right. There this infamous first Jack and Coke, which, you know, every time I hear you interviewed, it's about this Jack and Coke and you had it cause it was rock and roll. All right. Yeah. What, what? And I know how naff that sounds, but you've got to imagine <laughs> being 18 years old, you're, you're allowed to drink. Everyone goes out and, and in Scotland, uh, everyone has uh, a specific type of beer here, the National Lager. Um, and then my friend came back from the bar, not with that, but he came back with a Jack and Coke. And I just remember going, wow, that's, that's, that's badass. It, it's just so different. So I went up and I ordered one. And it's been my drink ever since. I still go out and drink Jack and Coke today. Uh, it was my birthday last week uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, and i was out with my friends in london i was drinking jack and coke all night um it's still my drink it doesn't taste like coke it doesn't taste like jack it tastes like a jack and coke um it's it's not as gassy as a beer it's a spirit and mixer it's, it's, it's always been my my go-to drink so i still love it um but uh, I, I think even back then as, as an 18 year old like a young adolescent, I'm going to say a kid, uh, as an 18-year-old kid, um, it was still a statement. It, I didn't know that it was whiskey back then. I just knew that it was it was Jack, um, and it was it was a bit it was like a it was a bit rebellious, let's say. Um, it was different to what everyone else of our similar age group was drinking. 
So did you graduate from Jack and Coke to anything else or you kept drinking Jack and Coke even while you were starting to pursue a career in the business? So there was a, a long time, I suppose, in terms of bartending, I was a, a, a late to the, the bartending game. I started when, when a lot of my peers in the industry started when they were 18. Yeah, I was, I was pretty late. I was always in, I was in retail sales. Uh, as my first job out of school uh, and college and things like that. Um, but uh, yeah, I took a, a, a year out of, of my life in the UK. I went to Australia, as everyone was doing back then, and I wanted a, a job that, could, that I could do no matter where I was in the country. Uh, and bartending was the, was the logical answer to that. Now, something that is a little bit weird is I, I was always fascinated by bartenders, whether that was watching Cheers uh, as a kid, I don't know, and seeing Woody Harrelson polishing glasses with Ted Dancer, I don't know what it was, but there was always this this um, sort of romance to, to, to being a bartender. So I was very, very happy to do it. So I started pouring pints in London. Uh, before going off to Australia. And that's when a couple of influential people really encouraged me to get into cocktails. I was working in rock clubs, uh, which were the perfect setting for my, my friend here. Um, I was uh, working in fancy cocktail bars, um, spit and sawdust bars or pubs all over the country. Uh, but cocktails really uh, interested me. And when I got back to the UK, um, wait, 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 hold really... on. You're going, you're going way too fast. Hold on for a second. Oh. While, uh, when you were in, um, in Australia, did you ever mm -hmm. think, oh, this could be the thing that will be my life's work? Absolutely or were you just... not. No. Mm -hmm. no because chance. you, you're going to hate me. I have another quote <laughs> that Go you said. Um, you said that you were, when you were in Australia, you started, that's when you started to make fancy pants cocktails. I'm using that quote. Fancy now, pants or arty farty? Because I usually say arty farty. No, no, it's definitely fancy pants. Um, <laughs> and I, was it so you, you didn't go thinking this is going to be my life's work when you started to create these fancy pants cocktails? What number one was that in Perth? And was it then that you thought, okay, this is something that I could pursue? Um, okay, so just going rewinding back a little bit when you asked if I thought this would be my life's work, when I got into bartending, I fell in love with it. I, uh, and then that's when I realized that I really wanted to do that as a career. I thought you meant Jack Daniels and that I had no, no, no idea sorry. Would, would play such No, 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 a... the bartending. Yeah, yeah. Um, so when I was in Perth, in, in Western Australia, I, I, I mean, they're still some of my bestest friends today, and they really encouraged me. They introduced me to the right people. Still remember the name of the bar. I have no idea if it's still there, but it was called Niche Bar. And I remember being taken there, being introduced to Manhattans, to Martinis, to Negronis, uh, to, to Fizzies, um, as well as Mojitos and Kaiproskas and Caipirinhas. And yeah, I, I fell in love hook, line, and sinker, head over heels. Uh, just the different flavors, the uh, the different garnishes, the different uh, tastes. Uh, uh, yeah. And, and even speaking about it now, I'm salivating 
Uh, and all you need to do if you're ever having a rough day is just remind yourself about all these amazing things that, that I get to work with. Mm-hmm. And um, so when you, you, you know, you fell in love with the cocktails, uh, did you think you were just going to stay in, in Australia or did you know that you were going to come back to the UK one day? Well, the plan was to stay out in Australia. I, I also fell in love with, with Perth. Um, it was busy and energetic when you wanted it to be. It was quiet and relaxing whenever you weren't in the mood. There was, there was something for whatever kind of uh, headspace you were in. It had beautiful beaches. Um, the bush was just outside of the city. Um, you could go and explore wine country just below it. I thought I had it all. I actually I was working in a bar that I don't think is there anymore called Box Deli. And uh, the owner at the time knew that I wanted to stay and we had spoke about sponsorship, but it, it fell through and it was a small business. So putting something like the uh, being responsible for this 21-year-old backpacker, essentially, as, as what I was, um, it, I, I don't think you could really take on the financial uh, burden of that. Um, so unfortunately, I came home. I was very upset. I still remember my dad mm-hmm. picking me up from Heathrow Airport. Um, but, uh, but yeah, then I got into cocktails really seriously when I got back and uh, I knew it's what I wanted to do. Where were you? What part of the country? So before I left for Australia, I um, had moved down to Brighton in England. Um, It was the the first place that I'd lived that wasn't central Scotland. Um, I had never gone to Glasgow. I'd never gone to Edinburgh. I went straight down to Brighton, which was for a young Scottish man, it was completely wild and different and there was lots of bars and there was cocktails and uh, there was a party scene and I, I made a lot of friends really quickly who are still luckily my friends today. They put up with my with my, with my traveling and, and odd hours of work and things. So they're very supportive. Mm-hmm. And then you just started to learn as much as you can or, or work as much as you can in drinks and... And when yeah, did you start competing? Was, okay, so the first bar that I worked in on my return, now this was just after the recession. Um, okay. So a lot of bars were shutting down. A lot of businesses all over the UK were shutting down. So it was quite a worrying time. I managed to get a part-time job in a bar called Coba, which was a, a, a private member's bar that had just opened its doors. So they had their public bar in the front and they had their members area at the back. Um, so I got a job there. It had a cocktail list of about 90, 90 different drinks. Had to had to learn them. So it was in at the deep end. Uh, but I learned so much there. Um, and, and I've just got such fond memories of, of going for my shifts there. They uh, asked me to be a duty manager, which was just felt amazing uh, to, to, to be able to do that so soon after coming back into the country and really getting into the cocktails they really told me about cocktail competitions and, and, and gave me a lot of tips here and there. Uh, my first cocktail comp was for uh, a vodka brand, and it was the Brighton's Rising Star. 
Uh, I yeah. very happily won that. <laughs> um, and then after I caught the bug. Yeah, that must have been such a boost. I mean, were you expecting oh, yeah. it? Absolutely not. No, not in Brighton. I, th I think the rules were that you had to be bartending for less than like two or three years. It had to be like the, the new kids on the block. Um, I, uh, I, I did a drink called a District 13, which I still think is a badass name. I love that. It was focusing on French flavors uh, and um, or French ingredients with an Asian vibe. So I looked at ghettos um, around Paris, and in District 13, you had uh, um, like a like an Asian area that was actually a really rough area, and you wouldn't go there as a tourist. Uh, but you had all these markets and things. So I was like, okay, I've got these this Asian influence and flavors. I've got these French ingredients. It has to be named that. So this District 13, I love that name. I still do love the story about how I came up with that. Um, but yeah, after I got the confidence of, of winning that, which was just fantastic, such a good uh, incentive for young bartenders to really give them confidence, as it did with me and a lot of other people that were there at the time. And that's when I uh, was was sort of poked with a stick by the the rep of the time, who I'm still friends with today. She still works for for my company, um, and uh, she asked me to do the Jack Daniels co birthday cocktail competition, and that was in two thousand and nine. Um, and I got through to the finals of that. So that's really where, my, I mean, my love for Jack Daniels, I was still drinking Jack and Cokes after my shifts in the bar. Uh, but when I started really delving into the history and the heritage of the brand and realizing that it's, it's not just a whiskey, it's not just a, a brand, it's just this huge, um, this huge story. Uh, and, and you can imagine now we're in our 150 Oh, wow. we've been going since 1866 at Jack. So there's so many stories in there. And getting to well, choose one of those stories and model a cocktail around it really intrigued me. So, Well, you know, everything that I've read about you and every podcast, I even though I've only found you on one podcast and other um, hmm. things that I've read about you, I do know that you love the story of the cocktail. And um, so it's it's great to hear that and, and, and the stories that... Um, each cocktail represents, as well as Jack Daniels' whole story. Um, so, but before we go into the Tennessee whiskey, uh, when you, after you had, you know, you know, you won that competition for the Jack Daniels competition, or you're sorry, you were um, a finalist in the competition, right? I was a finalist. But, uh, you were <laughs> sorry, you were a finalist I, after you I were a finalist. Yeah, I know. I'm still, I'm still very, very bitter about that. Um, I still, I, I still love the drink. I still make the drink today. Um, but, uh, but yeah, on on the day, I'm putting it down to the conditions of the the final competition. So we had it up in Lynchburg, in Tennessee, on Barbecue Hill. It was absolutely frozen. Uh, the ice was poor quality. I shook the drink, and it came out like a like a sludge rather than rather than a chilled cocktail. So. But then again, I, I, sh I should have I should have known these things. But I was still a I was still a new bartender at the time. Look, you're the UK brand ambassador, right? You've won. <laughs> so who you've won? won? Who won? <laughs> you've won exactly. You've won. So, um, but it's been a long. It was a long time between when you were a finalist to when you became the brand ambassador. Um, so 
how did that just, you know, quickly or how did that progression happen? And and how were you asked or or did you apply for it? You know, how okay, did you so find yourself in this position? Cocktails are cocktail competitions are fantastic, not just for for gaining valuable techniques and knowledge about spirits and cocktail culture but it also introduces you to some key people in the drinks industry and that's exactly what happened with me i met nadal ramini um we still work together today he has been one of the most influential people in my career um but uh he, he almost yeah he, he's like my a spiritual advisor really he guides me and, and, and tells me well, have you thought about doing this try doing this to make your profile a little bit bigger but who actually got me into working for jack daniels were, were two more people i'll give a little shout out to uh, craig harper that used to um be a tactical trainer for as it was back then bacardi brown foreman he invited me to come in and help him uh training uh, and then leanne Ware who is, she just did knowledge dumps um, and, and structured out my sessions and really told me how to be a trainer. And um, these three people, uh, I, wouldn't, I, I wouldn't have this job today if it wasn't for them. Um, great people to know, they're still in the industry. Um, and, and one more as well, Ian McLaren, who, wow, what he doesn't know about whiskey uh, isn't worth knowing, you know, uh, and and then me just sitting there with a notepad writing absolutely everything down from these guys was was just mm -hmm. I was very very lucky to have that. Um, but then a lot of this uh, and why I think I'm still around today is just the experience. I know the stories through and through. Every one of my sessions is different um, because I've I've learned the stories over many years, and I can I've been there a lot. So I can talk about what I want to talk about on that specific day. And I think that says a lot. I'm making it my own training, even though I'm, I'm, I'm talking about this product. Um, I'm, I'm telling people I want to share on that specific day. Does that make sense? I think I got a bit flustered in my own head there. Do you know what I need? <laughs> no, no. I'm, I'm, going to have, I'm going to join you in a drink if that's all right. So. Of, of course. But, okay, while you're joining me in the drink... Um... Why don't you, I, of course, because you have been a bartender, you can talk and make a drink at the same time. You don't know no, me that well. All right. <laughs> all right, I'll let you make your drink. No, no, uh, go for it. I was... All right, okay. Um, you know, as, as brand ambassador, well, for, okay, let's, why don't we talk about Jack Daniels while you're pouring it, you know, tell mm -hmm. me, you know. My podcast and my site, it's really about the home bartender. So why don't you give me the little spiel of why a home bartender should have a bottle of Jack Daniels, you know, in their cabinet? You know, what is it about it? You know, give me your little ambassador spiel. Well, here's why I am so proud to work for Jack is that there is so much heritage. It was started by a real man, Jasper Newton Daniel. The distillery was established back in 1866, which is, if you're good at maths, uh, 150 odd years. Uh, I am not good at maths. And I'm Four, 54. To, to, uh, that sounds about right. 
um, I, and I think whatever brands you pick these days, it, I think it has to mean something to you. Uh, and to me, I respect the fact that it was started by a real man. Um, we're still going today. Uh, we're the biggest selling whiskey in the world. There's no getting around that. But there's a reason for that. We're consistent. Uh, we must be one of the most consistent whiskies in the world just due to our size. Like at any one time, there's about 2.5 million barrels of Tennessee of our Tennessee whiskey sitting aging in the barrel houses. Excuse me. Um, and uh, excuse me. I don't know if you can hear that. <laughs> yes, um, we can. But, there goes the Coke. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think you, you need to believe in the product. So, I mean, there are so, we're spoiled for choice these days on what we can drink. It doesn't take a lot for a company to start a brand, to, to pluck a name out of the history books and, and, and almost design a brand around this, the story that they've heard. Um, but uh, I get a lot of comfort and, and I have a lot of respect for this brand that's still going um, since 1866. I'll and drink to Tennessee that. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers to that, Clink. Um, and Tennessee whiskey. I, you know, I think some people might be a little confused by that if they don't know. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of, okay, there's whiskey, there's Scottish whiskey, there's Irish whiskey, there's Japanese whiskey, then there's bourbon. And then all of a sudden there's this Tennessee whiskey. Uh, you know, it's on it's on the label. What does that exactly mean? Well, it's a fairly new category. Um, it's, it's been recognized by uh, Tennessee state government. Um, it is uh, basically an, an offshoot of, of bourbon, um, but it follows even more rules and regulations to be classified as a Tennessee whiskey. Now, we've always called ourselves... Um, called ourselves a Tennessee whiskey. I think there's even a letter from one of the old proprietors of the distillery, Regor Motlow, I think it was in 1944, if memory serves me right, when uh, we were putting the product or registering the product with um, the US, what was it? Basically like weights and measures or something like that. Uh, and they said, oh, yes, well done. You've got a, a, a crack in bourbon there. And Regor Motlow actually wrote back to, to uh, this government department and said, whoa, 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 hang on a minute. We're a Tennessee whiskey and we're proud of it. We're not a bourbon. We make it different down here. And I kind of love that stubbornness about it. Um, but it's only in 2015 that it has been recognized as its own category. Now, you can imagine... Oh, I, I, I'm tagged into so many of these arguments on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Um, Jack Daniels isn't a Tennessee whiskey, it's a bourbon. Well, well, this is how I see it. As a proud Scot that also drinks Scottish whiskey, I grew up on the same road as um, a distillery that makes its whiskey in the Highlands and ages it in the Lowlands. If you're quite accepting that the Lowlands are different from the Highlands, getting right down onto that single borderline, you should be quite accepting and happy that there's this new category forming that's telling you exactly what is in the bottle before you buy that bottle or before you pour it into your glass. This is the wonderful thing about today. Yes, there's so many products out there, but there's so many categories and, and lists telling us what each of these bottles or, or, or categories is. In Scotland, you've got the, the Highlands, the Lowlands, Speyside, Campbelltown and Isla. In America, you've got 
rye whiskey, uh, wheat whiskey, corn whiskey, bourbon, and Tennessee whiskey, to name a few. There's a lot more than that. But that's telling us what's in the bottle before we part with our money and buy that bottle and take it home. Hopefully now, that makes there's, sense. Yeah, yes, it absolutely does make sense. And, um, you, you know, and I, 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 mean, I'm... I think only good can come from it. Uh, and everyone that is is getting caught up on oh it's just a bourbon, ah call it a Tennessee whiskey. It's I mean it's it's doing you a favor by telling you more about the product. It has to be made in Tennessee and it has to be mellowed through charcoal. Those are the additional requirements. Other than that, yeah, it does follow all the same rules as a mm -hmm. bourbon whiskey, which is the yeah. national spirit of America. Now that isn't the only thing that you make. You make lots of other things, like Gentleman Jack. And even though technically it's not a whiskey because you're not supposed to add anything to it, one of my favorites, Tennessee Honey. And, one I prepared yes. for you earlier. <laughs> yes. And I just saw a Tennessee apple and a Tennessee cinnamon. So there, you have a lot of things. So talk to me. What is Gentleman Jack? So Gentleman Jack was the world's first double mellowed whiskey. So when we started to innovate a lot more and try and expand our offering at the distillery, like all distilleries really do, whether you, you see a, a funny bottle of, um, of Scottish whiskey in an airport that's only been made for duty-free, that's been specially made for those travelers that are looking for something special. We only did this um, up until 1988. Um, in 88, Gentleman Jack was released, and, and we were, the board were wondering, well, what would happen if we did the Lincoln County process twice? So to be a Tennessee whiskey, it mellows through uh, sugar maple charcoal, uh, and at Jack, it doesn't have to be 10, uh, it doesn't have to be 10 foot, but at Jack Daniels, will mellow through 10 foot of sugar maple charcoal before it goes into the brand new charred oak barrel. Um, but they wondered, well, what would happen if we put it through again after it's been aged? Um, it doesn't go through an additional 10 foot, it goes through an additional three foot. And what this does is it just rounds off those bigger, bolder oak flavors that the whiskey picks up from sitting in oak for X amount of years. Well, we know that it's a minimum of four years because it doesn't have an age statement on the barrel. Uh, and it goes up to a uh, Jack, we go up to about seven years old. Uh, but Gentleman Jack is, it basically starts life as old number seven or Jack Daniels Tennessee whiskey, as I call it, um, and then goes through that extra blessing. Um, and it just smooths it down. It basically takes that big oaky hit and softens it down. Um, it takes the, the, the oaky flavors away or, or softens them and allows some of those sweeter notes, those lighter notes, uh, maybe a touch more floral, minty, um, honey, um, and, and, it, and that sweet vanilla, and it really puts it right in front of you. Do you see it more as the sipping whiskey or, you know, also um, to be used in cocktails? Well, here's the thing about Gentleman Jack. As they say at the distillery with all the whiskeys, you can drink it any way you damn well please. Of course. And I <laughs> love, I love that. Coming from uh, a, a, a whiskey family, and I've been sitting in bars before and I've had a whiskey with ice in it and someone's come up and had a go at me, um, to which I will not repeat whilst I'm being recorded what I said to them. But, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, you can drink it any way you damn well, please. There's, there's no pretentiousness about it. Gentleman Jack can be 
drunk neat. It is beautiful. I think it's actually one of the most important whiskies on the market at the moment. We have split the Jack Daniels range into flavor categories. We go laid back and mellow, uh, full and spicy and big and bold. Gentleman Jack is laid back and mellow. It's not going to jump out the glass and, and, and sort of wring your neck and let you know that you're drinking whiskey. It's softer, it's lighter, it's a lot more refined. So it's a beautiful sipper. However, when you mix it in a cocktail, because it's not jumping out and giving you all this flavor, it's really going to work with the other ingredients that are in your cocktail. Um, use it in my favorite, favorite cocktail is a mint julep. And for me, it's hands down the best whiskey to use in a mint julep. Now, when I go into a bar and order a mint julep, they know that I'm a whiskey guy and they'll go straight to the top shelf and they'll go, which whiskey would you like, Cam? And I'll be like, no, give me Gentleman Jack. Because these bigger single barrel whiskeys that are big and bold in flavor are going to overpower the mint. And yeah, you're still going to taste the mint in there. But by mellowing the whiskey and taking away those big oaky flavors, you're putting it on more of an even keel with the mint flavor that's in a mint julep. So for your, your viewers at home, a mint julep is, uh, is whiskey, a little a couple of teaspoons of, of sugar, uh, and about eight to 10 mint leaves, and you just stir it in a pewter cup uh, with crushed ice. And it's the most delicate, beautiful, refreshing cocktail. And it's just so simple but it takes a bit of practice to make them. It, it, oh my God, it's one, of my fa- it's one of my favorite, favorite cocktails and I will have to mm. try it with Gentleman Jack. Now, talking about this, you know, as, you know, I was reading that as brand ambassador, you've, you've said that you wanted to change people's perceptions of Jack Daniel. And um, I was just wondering what you think the perceptions are or were because while you're talking about it here, well, I come into every spirit with like I have no preconceived, you know, conceptions. I just like it if it tastes good or to me. But what, what, how do you think people have seen it maybe in the past and are now seeing it since you've been brand ambassador? Yeah, good question. I, um, I, I definitely feel that we're not the only one uh, to to almost be a victim of our own success. Um, we're not the only spirit out there. Um, it, it, it happens to to so many of them. They get to a certain size, and there's and, and obviously me with my bartending past. I've been in circles before when people said, "Oh no, Jack Daniels, it has no quality. It's rubbish." But but why do you think that? Because we're the leading selling whiskey. There's a reason for that. Oh, it's it's just there's no passion there's no craft it's and i love reminding people well actually we go all the way back to 1866 uh we've only had seven master distillers uh in in 154 years um do you know what i just did the math in my head and i realized they were in 2020 now right now and that was such an easy sum to do (laughs) that's embarrassing (laughs) (laughs) um but i love reminding them the fact that don't bring your um uh, and i think luckily the trade and in, in, in bartenders is kind of is kind of being a little bit more reasonable with this now gone are the days where you would go into a bar and say i'll have a jack daniels and the bartender went no you don't want that you want this this is a lot better it's all about what the customer wants 
um, if the customer recognizes the label and they are expecting this flavor that matches perfectly with Coca-Cola, then that's what you should give them. Um, but yeah, I definitely feel that for a while it's been a victim of its own success. I love correcting people when they say that Jack Daniels is inferior to, to some of these. I always ask them, why? Why do you think that? Um, and I, I, I still, I, 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 love, I love correcting them in, in a polite way, of course, and saying, well, this isn't actually true. Um, we're still made every single drop in Lynchburg, Tennessee. Uh, we've only had seven master distillers making this, this whiskey in 154 years. Um, it's, it's a, I mean, I mean, yeah, where we follow all the rules to, to, to call ourselves a Tennessee whiskey, which goes even more rules than a bourbon. Um, I, yeah. Um, I, I, and yeah. do you, and what I do, I love is that you are always creating new things. I, I, I see that as a great thing. I'm so happy. When I went to your website a little earlier and I saw that there was um, Jack Daniels and Apple, I was like, mm. oh my God. Because uh, one of my favorite drinks is like an apple bourbon smash or an oh, apple Tennessee amazing. whiskey smash now. Mm -hmm. So that's made it even easier to make something like that. Um, I see the you know, flavor. The best way that the flavors have ever been described to me was by Jeff Arnett, our master distiller. And he said that he was walking down the road in LA. He, he travels a lot throughout the country uh, promoting Jack Daniels whiskey, a, a bit of a brand ambassador himself. Uh, and he bumped into a couple of guys wearing Jack Daniels t-shirts, a bit like yourself. And he said, oh, I make this stuff. Which of the range is your favorite? Do you like the Gentleman Jack? Do you like the... Tennessee whiskey, or the, the old number seven, or do you like the single barrel? And they said to him, well, we don't actually like whiskey. We just think the brand is pretty cool. Now the flavors is taking Jack Daniels Tennessee whiskey and it's mixing it with a liqueur uh, and, and or honey uh, or cinnamon in the Tennessee fire or an apple liqueur uh, in the Tennessee apple. And it really softens that big blow of whiskey. It's sweetening it up. It's um, it's putting a, a flavor in there that that, that people like, uh, and it allows them to drink these products and call themselves a Jack Daniels drinker. We know that they're not really; they're drinking a liqueur, um, but but well, really they are. Um, there still allows them to be part of the brand, and I just think that's so cool. Um, I think some whiskey aficionados out there are, are going, what's going on with all these flavors. Um, well, if, if you don't like them and you're a whiskey fan, keep to the whiskey. That's fine. Right. But these are a bit of fun. Um, they taste fantastic. Uh, and, uh, and you know what? They're big brands in their own right now as well. Yeah, I can attest to it because I was in um, a grill stock, which it used to be. There was mm. one in London once, you know, a, a kind of a grill themed festival. And there is when I had the Jack Daniels and honey and lemonade together. Um, sure. And I thought I'd, I have been drinking it ever since. And that must be six years ago. I think it is one of the best drinks in the world. And it's, you know, I don't have to mix the Jack Daniels and the honey together by myself. It's already in there. But um, 
Now, just to finish up, I guess, um, coming back to the stories, and uh, I know uh, when I was listening to a podcast that you did before and you were talking about comp competing and that you love to hear the stories, what would you think is one of your favorite stories um, that you've had while being a brand ambassador, either about the spirit or yourself teaching? Oh, that is a good question. And that has put me <laughs> on the spot. I have had such a varied career with Jack Daniels so far. It's taught me so much um, about, uh, about this and about that. And being a brand ambassador is not just about training um, customers like yourself or training bartenders. There's so much more to it, whether it's organizing cocktail events or uh, drinks trainings or um, and, I, and I've been so lucky. I, I, I've been um, with the company for, do you know what, off and on, not off and on, but starting off part-time and coming into full-time. I've been working with the brand for about 10 years now. Um, and throughout that time, I was lucky enough to, to go um, to the 150th celebration um, and, uh, just to, to celebrate 150 years from the establishment uh, date um uh, which was just wild it was so good it was jack daniel's uh, bars in the parking lot we had a stage up there with local bands playing uh, and, and that was just something that i will remember uh and, until i am a lot older um but that's really really one of them um that that, that stands out um but I suppose even before that, even before I worked with the brand, it was the getting to go to Lynchburg, Tennessee and compete to be the, the Jack Daniels birthday cocktail competition winner, um, of which I lost. Uh, but I was still a finalist. <laughs> um, but yeah, those are two just amazing moments um, that, uh, that has happened with me. Bringing it into more recent times are... Uh, our, our big advocacy competition that we've got going is, is Tennessee Calling. Um, unfortunately, it's taken a bit of a change this year due to the current uh, pandemic and things, uh, but I'm, I'm sure we'll come back stronger than ever. Um, but I, I really love just giving modern day bartenders this trip of a lifetime. Nothing competes to to getting on that plane, arriving in Nashville, Tennessee, or Music City, um, drinking Jack and Cokes or Jack on the Rocks in Tootsie's Orchestra Lounge, as some some amazing singers are up there, um, and, and then road tripping down to Lynchburg, which is about an hour and a half, two hours away. And just the whole thing. I'm so lucky to be able to do that as a career, and every day for me is is just different and rewarding. Uh, but that's definitely one that stands out in, in, in modern day is Tennessee Calling being a part of that and, and just giving bartenders today uh, just the trip of a lifetime. This is something that they will always remember and always cherish. Oh, I wish I could get on a plane and get there right now. Tell me. Me too. Um, but I, listen, thank you so much for joining me. Cheers again with our drinks. Cheers. And, um, we'll see you in the bar or in Lynchburg. Well, Absolutely. Well, hopefully we're allowed to travel to, to, to Lynchburg. 
we'll have to we'll have to meet there sometime and I'll show you around. I'll take you down to the distillery. Oh, I can't wait. All right. Thanks so much. Well, thank you so much for having me. As well as his top tips for the home bartender, Cam surprised me with his choice of dream bar. So if you could be anywhere drinking right now, where would it be? I think I know that you're going to think that I'm going to say Lynchburg, Tennessee. Uh, but you know what? This has been the first time that I've been able to, to get out of London or get out of, of, of near Brighton where I live. I'm currently up at my mum's house in Scotland. Um, and uh, I, I love being back up home. Um, so uh, right here. How about that? With you. I guess, <laughs> that, I guess it's more about what you have in your hand drinking, right? Wherever you have right. a, a Jack and Coke. Well, mum's right. short of julep, julep cups at the moment, so I can't make a mint julep. Uh, but yeah, I've got, a, I've got a Jack and Coke here. And what would be your top tip for the home bartender? Top tip for the home bartender. That's a really good question. Um, get lots and lots of ice. Um, you need good ice. Um, every time that I've gone to a house party or a barbecue and I've been asked, oh, Cam, can you make a, a cocktail for us to, to serve at the barbecue, even, even a wedding or, or something like that? And then I get one bag of supermarket ice uh, and I'm expected to serve loads of people. If you're making cocktails at home, try and get as good quality ice as you can and get double whatever you think that you're going to need. Um, so that's my top tip. All that ice talk has got me thirsty. And what better cocktail of the week to have on this Tuesday than the Tennessee Cooler made with Tennessee honey. Just in case you missed it, any cocktail made with Jack Daniel's Tennessee honey is a favorite of mine. But the Tennessee cooler made with its hint of apple and ginger? Well, it had to be our cocktail of the week. First, fill a highball glass to the brim with ice. Then start by adding in 50 mils of Tennessee honey. Add to that 50 mils of apple juice. Then top it all up with ginger ale and then stir gently. Finally, garnish with a lemon wedge. You'll find this recipe plus more Jack Daniels recipes and all the cocktails of the week at alushlifemanual.com where you'll find all the ingredients in our shop. I was supposed to be visiting Lynchburg, Tennessee this year, but like most travel, essential or non. It's off the books until our lives are back to normal, whatever that is. Still, you can enjoy a bit of Tennessee by watching my guilty pleasure, the TV show Nashville on Hulu. Hopefully you're a country music fan like I am. If you live for Lush Life, make sure you're giving back to the bars you love by donating or taking part in cocktail delivery or visiting one now that they're open. Theme music for Lush Life is by Stephen Shapiro and used with permission. And Lush Life is always and will be forever produced by Evo Terra and Simpler Media Productions. Which leaves me to say the wise words of Oscar Wilde, all things in moderation, including moderation. And always drink responsibly and wash your hands and wear a mask. 
Next week, our guest is now living the slogan, if three quarters of your drink is your mixer, then mix with the best. His journey has taken him from tanks to tonics. Until that time, bottoms up.